Uh, good morning. Uh, again, I'm Drew. If, if, uh, if uh, you don't know who I am, uh, I'm glad you're here uh, in my living room in Columbia Heights. And um, I'm thrilled. We're going to continue our series here that we started in Hebrews. And we're, we're, uh, we're just jumping into Hebrews. We're only in the second week of this uh, look into the book of Hebrews and thinking about what it looks like to believe and to know Jesus is greater. And, and the book kicks it off right away, uh, uh, reminding us that Jesus um, is greater. Uh, it's, it's really exciting. It reminds us of this crescendo of the Old Testament and the story of God building and building and building until we get to Jesus, the ultimate. Last week we heard he's the ultimate uh, thing that it builds towards. It's really great news. And this week we're going to be talking about how Jesus is superior to angels. We actually end uh, the, the passage from last week kind of ends with a sort of introduction or kind of a transition to the first discussion. It says, so he became, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And so we're looking at angels this week, not the first place I think I would consider going, um, when you're thinking Jesus is greater than what have we seen? What shadows have we seen in the Old Testament greater than angels? And so we're looking at angels. Huh. Right? I thought, how, how have I thought about angels? I Sometimes you just Google the topic that we're looking at for the week. Say, like, what, what do other people think about it? What, how do they um, engage with it? And, of course, when you start thinking about uh, angels, and where do we see angels? I mean, what, you have to, right? Angels in the outfield. What? I mean, the first thing I think of is my, the way I view angels is when I was a kid and I saw this movie that came out in 1994. And I did not remember this movie has Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd, and Danny Glover, like a 1990s movie powerhouse in it. Do you remember this? And the angels in the outfield, which I also then, because of this, learned there actually was, I think it's a sequel Angels in the Infield? This seems like one of those straight-to-Disney Channel uh, kind of movies. I'm hoping this is on Disney+. Plus. Angels in the Infield, very creative. They're in the outfield, and now they're, they moved in to the infield. And, of course, you have to complete the, like, the trilogy of angel baseball movies with Field of Dreams, right? I mean, I believe they're all in the same angel baseball universe or something. You know, I don't know. This would be a fun trilogy to watch. I'm sure there's some there's some fan fiction about how they're all connected, maybe. Also, though, you start looking at angels, and they're not just fun Disney movies, right? We see uh, TV shows and books. There's uh, billions of dollars uh, in just spiritual literature every year, and there's a lot of talk about angels. And often angels mixed with demons, and of course, you start looking into TV shows, Touched by an angel. Anyone else grew up with this? I I didn't watch a lot, but I remember people talking about it. I remember like moms talking about it. It had this. I think there's a an angel who comes down and like every episode helps people. I don't really know, but um, I remember the show being giant, right? And then you start looking into even our culture likes the idea of angels, and we see angels all over. Anyone ever have one of these clips in their car that you put in there? It's like a guardian angel clip that watches over you to make sure you're I don't know, driving safe or um, I don't know, maybe keeps track of your mileage. Maybe it, was a, it might have been an early you know, insurance company thing to see how well you drive. 
we didn't know. I think I know a lot of people had his clip in their car to a guardian angel clip or a similar version of that. There's these um, types of angels that people put in their pockets or carry with them in a purse or a bag that could bring maybe some protection to them. Or if they're worried, you can like hold them and they, they hold a power or, or maybe, maybe it's for some, it's just a reminder of who, who God is. Uh, one of my favorite things I found on Amazon though, as I'm looking for just thinking, how do we see angels and think about angels is this, I, I had to, it was really hard to find because I had to search very specifically for this, but for $36.99, you can get this, the angel gifts for women, angel, God decor, angel chimes, mom, best gift, home, rustic, outdoor garden decor, wind chime, angel wind chimes. I mean, it just, it just rings that name. You think I want one of these. In fact, this was interesting to me. There was, um, there was a description in this and a review from someone that said, when the angel spirits of this wind chime call to you, you are being blessed with the wisdom of angels. Angels are reminders that we are light and we can reflect light in powerful ways. You may not see them very often, especially if you live in big cities. So this angel wind chime will be perfect for you. So you may not see angels, but if you live in big cities, especially if you're in big cities, um, it says this angel is God's messenger. It brings love to your family. And so, right, we we see angels all over. I think for some, angels have just been a symbol maybe in their home to remind them of God's messengers or maybe a story. I think at Christmas, right, often we maybe have an angel in a nativity scene reminding us of that. Angels, though, are uh, really, really popular spiritually. If you go into a bookstore uh, in Almost any section of any religious studies, there are some books on angels or angels and demons. In fact, there's a whole uh, documentary series called The Mysteries, Unlocking the Mysteries of Angels and Demons. Um, on Amazon, though, someone did not recommend it. They said, this is not the best documentary. It did not explain all of the mysteries. So if you're looking for all of the mysteries to be unraveled of angels and demons, I, I share these because our culture cannot just be um, infatuated sometimes with just angels, but that kind of spiritual realm that there's this other spiritual beings that are doing things and maybe we can manipulate them to help us, or maybe they are the things, uh, the affection, the things we worship, the objects of our worship. These indicate to us, I think, that we are looking for something to help us to minister to us, maybe to our souls, or just to help us in our daily lives, to guide us. It's nice to know someone's watching out for us, there to rescue or help, or even just bring us the message of what we need to know. Our culture is asking who or what tells us how to live our lives? Who is the authority on what to believe? How do I know what to believe? Ultimately, who's going to help me? And do they know what they're talking about? And so that's, that, that's a similar job as the angels, the actual in reality angels that we see in scripture that are real. They are called to be ministers for God and to, to help and serve. And we see throughout scripture that happen. We see angels come to help people, to bring the message of God, the good news of his faithfulness and his love. We see angels minister to Jesus. We see angels appear at Christmas. We see angels uh, at the end of scripture. 
armies of angels singing, worshiping, even fighting alongside Jesus against evil. And so this morning we're going to look at and be reminded that even angels and all of their glory are nothing compared to the greatness of Jesus. It's an interesting thing. It, it makes us wonder if the people that Hebrews has written to this author is reminding them of this because possibly they were tempted to turn to maybe worship angels or um, spiritual beings around them. There is evidence that there were some cults um, and some offshoots of Judaism or Christianity that began to worship angels like Gabriel or Michael instead of Jesus. They worshiped the messenger and the one serving and working for God instead of God himself. But I think, I think that this passage is going to remind us just of these great things God has given us and how Jesus is so much better. But let's get into it. This is uh, Hebrews 1. If you have a Bible, you want to open it up uh, with us, or I'll have all the scripture right here. You can follow right along. We're just going to take a little bit of time to look through Hebrews 1, 5 through 14, our first um, opportunity to look and see how the Old Testament is just a shadow that crescendos to Jesus. We're going to read it. It's uh, uh, nine verses here. Uh, we're going to read through it, uh, and then we'll go back and unpack it. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And in speaking to the angels, he says, make his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and in the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you'll remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? All right, that, that was, um, it's an interesting passage because it actually is just a whole bunch of Old Testament quotes. It, it's, it's, there's, all it is is strung together by saying, hey, here's some stuff about angels and here's some stuff about Jesus. It's, it's a cool passage to start with because it sets up um, really how a lot of the argument of Hebrews is going to go. It sets up that there are Old Testament references that affirm that actually a lot of the Old Testament is, is encouraging us to think of the one who's going to come, and it's telling us about Jesus that we know now is Jesus. And in this passage, we have something that we call a chain quotation. This is a, a type of writing or a type of preaching that is done uh, often in the time this was written, where, where there would be a whole bunch of new Old Testament passages used. At that time, just that was scripture they had in order to, to show, um, to argue for something, or, or to share a truth. And sometimes it would connect passages that people were unaware of, were connected even in this, uh, passages from Psalms that maybe at the time people weren't seeing as talking about Jesus, 
We now, because it's in Hebrews, know we can do that. It's using scripture to teach us this idea and using scripture to show that Jesus is the ultimate version of these things. Now, I'm going to stop here to kind of talk about this because this is, I think, really important for all of us. And this actually really changed my life. Growing up, I often saw the Old Testament as that's like where there's an angry God and he's like real fed up with people and there's a flood and he's knocking down towers. And then finally he's like, okay, I I think I'm going to be nice now. Or maybe that God goes away and there's a nice God who comes and his name is Jesus. I had all of these theological thoughts about how the Old Testament and New Testament are different. And just because they're called old and new, I thought they must be a different thing. But passages like this remind us that the story of God is one story. And actually, reading Old Testament wasn't something I was doing. I just was remembering those stories. And so once I started actually reading the Old Testament and seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, it changed. It became alive. It was so exciting to read a passage and then talk about the coming king who would be here forever to rescue his people and go, I know who that is. How good is that? And I encourage us in that, that to crack open our Old Testaments and start reading those incredible narratives, these stories of God's people, and start seeing these connections to Jesus that should only lead us to want to worship him and see him as greater. And we're going to actually do that here. I want to, I want to take a second to do that. These, this is actually the chain of Old um, Testament references uh, if you notice, this really is just a whole bunch of Old Testament references from Psalm 2, from 2 Samuel, from Deuteronomy, from a psalm, another psalm, from Isaiah, another psalm. These are often also the psalms and passages that were traditionally used, whether they're at like a, a royal wedding or they were prayed over a king um, or they were talked about uh, by the leaders They're talking about the leaders. And now what Hebrews is doing is saying those people that you look to, to be great kings and leaders and spiritual people and even angels, those all just are pointing us to the greater, which is Jesus. And so let's just look through each one of these and see what is it telling us about Jesus and about angels and why compare Jesus and angels. Let's take a little walk through here. So first we see um, a few passages from Psalm and from 2 Samuel. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? So it's saying, hey, God never said this to the angels. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. These are saying the same thing. It's saying, when did God ever say to an angel, you're my own? You're my family. This is a, a point where the author is telling us, Jesus is actually God. He's actually equal to God. That's a big deal. Angels aren't equal to God. We're not equal to God. He's actually explaining what we would call the Trinity in our doctrine. There's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's three persons that are all God. We don't really understand what that means, right? You maybe have heard a lot of ways explaining that. An egg, an apple, all these things. We don't really understand that, but we know in Scripture Many times it explains there is a God and he has three persons. And one of those is saying here, that's Jesus. He's not just a holy man. He's not just one of the best angels. He is God's son. 
In the year 325, there was a council of Nicaea that met, and that council actually met because there were some heresies, specifically even around some of these questions we're talking about today, around was Jesus just like a really good angel? Was he maybe just a prophet? There were people saying it was becoming popular. Jesus was actually created by God as just a really great messenger of God's. And at that council, they uh, read scripture and understood, and they decided as a church, no, this is really important that Jesus is God. And they actually said they are one substance. So this is important right here, right? It's saying angels aren't God. Jesus, though, is God. Well, uh, let's continue on. And again, then God brings his firstborn into the world. Let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, let's make the angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. Here we're learning even more about the angels and Jesus and that they're different. And this gets right to the point. Jesus is God's firstborn. It is, he is God. And the angels are called to worship him. In Deuteronomy 32, 43, we hear, let the angels worship him. We see this throughout scripture, angels worshiping Jesus. We get these images throughout the Old Testament. And even all the way to Revelation, we see this army of angels, right? This choir of angels worshiping Jesus. And so the angels are not God, and they also are called to worship Jesus. So they are superior to Jesus. All right, let's keep going. We'll see some more references here. The, the other part of Psalm 104 that we just saw is referencing angels as spirits or in some translations that word even as winds. Um, and so the angels are winds and they're servants that are flames of fire, which is important because now he's going to compare him in Psalm 45. saying the angels are winds, they're fire, right? They're these servants and wind, which we actually see throughout scripture, the angels are called wind or fire because they come and minister and they move and they change. But about the son of God, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. This is reminding us that Jesus is forever and ever, has always been will always be and doesn't change. The angels might be shifting or changing or moving, but but the Son of God has not changed. He is still on his throne and forever will be. His kingdom is supreme. It never ends. He loves what is right and hates what is evil, and that doesn't change. And that he is set above all other things. So just, right, continue. This isn't um, just in reading this, Hopefully, we would just get the sense, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than angels. We get it. We get it. And he continues on. He also says in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. He's now reminding us that Jesus is the creator. He's not just God. He's not just to be worshipped. He's not just never changing, but he is the creator. That actually in the beginning he came and created things. He says, they will never perish, but you they will perish, you remain. This is a continuation of that thought. Things change. Angels might change, but you never change. They will wear out, but you remain the same. Your years 
never end. It's this idea of this kingdom and this king that has always been and never will end and is the creator. He's not a created thing like an angel or you and me, but he is a creation. He is the creator. And so again, it separates them, right? That he is the creator of angels. And so they worship him because he's the one who created them. Nothing too, nothing too like mind blowing, right? As uh, if you're someone who has followed Jesus for a while, or you've um, even just been around our church for a while, you know that we talk about this like all the time, right? Jesus is great. And we shouldn't worship creation. We continue on here. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? This is reminding us that Jesus also is victorious. That Jesus is the one who beats the ultimate enemy of sin and death and sits down because his work has been done. That's our king. He's the one who is defeated the greatest of enemies. So we have these great stories of these glorious moments with angels where they come uh, to defeat evil or care for people or uh, heal people or um, do God's work. Even just bring the message of God and salvation to announce that to the world. We have uh, armies of them coming to fight with Jesus, choirs singing the glories of God. And we hear that all of those things still are not even close to the goodness of a king who has come to defeat the greatest enemy, to, to bring to be the greatest message, who, who is and always will be. That's good news, right? This is just good gospel news. And we finish up with, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So not only are they here for Jesus, but here we get this sweet reminder that angels are actually here to minister to us. Those who will inherit the salvation from our King, those who benefit from his life and his death and his resurrection. I love um, this quote. Uh, This is by George Guthrie. um, But he just sums up this whole passage this way. Even when compared to beings as high as the angels, the sun is of an infinitely higher status. Even when compared to these glorious beings, Jesus is infinitely higher. As great as other people or institutions are looking at the surpassing greatness of Christ by comparison, he is the point of reference by which all others must be evaluated. Here's where I think this, this, uh, it's really important as we read this passage to understand, what we, what's really important to understand. Sometimes we look at Scripture um, and we say, oh, Jesus, right? God is warning us of this, of this thing that's going to hurt us, this bad thing. And he's saying, turn away from that thing. Turn away from that idol that you're worshiping. That thing that clearly is bad, it's clearly hurting you, right? Your love uh, of money and greed, you can see it eating away at your soul. That love of that thing that is hurting you or the people around you. But here we, we don't see that. We have to be careful. We see an incredible thing. We see angels. Remember the Christmas story? They show up in all their glory to worship Jesus. We don't say in that like, oh, angels are bad. This is a really cool way that Hebrew starts. It's saying, even in the most incredible things you can imagine God creating, the most glorious things that probably might 
might be close to what your mind can handle for how glorious God is. When you say God's glory, I think of like glowing majesty. You know, it's overwhelming. Like when angels show up, they have to say, don't be afraid. I think, oh, and you say, even that is so good. And it's not even close to how good Jesus is. Your king, the king of heaven, is the greatest messenger because he is the message. He's the greatest helper and minister, greater than any of those good, good things. And so I think for us today, this is where we can, what we can learn from. We can learn that this, um, these great <laughs> um, things that God has given us, if we're not careful, could be our end of our worship. And we don't look to the one who sent those things. And so in my life, that isn't angels. I don't know about in your life. In my life, I don't feel tempted to worship angels. But there are really good things in my life that sometimes I hold on to as my hope instead of holding on to the things they're pointing me to. Just good things in my life. Some of those are just great other followers of Jesus that I cling to that they are my hope, that if I don't get some more preaching from them or books from them, if I can't listen to another podcast from them, I don't know what I'm going to do when, I, when I'm hopeless, when it's been a really hard week, I look to the, them. My first response is look to them, and then hopefully they'll remind me of Jesus, and then I'll look to Jesus. My first response should be, to look to the king of kings. I, there's people creating great things. I, I don't think any of you probably worship me, but you could look to pastors, right, or leaders, or a small group leader, or just that friend who is this passionate follower of Jesus, and you say, man, I just they'll, they'll get me through this. They'll minister to me, and they will be my hope, and they will be my, the end, right? Maybe there's books or films or TV shows that – that are the thing that we go to, and they're actually really good things, but they're not as good as Jesus. I was reminded of this this week. Um, I saw something really interesting. Uh, on eBay, people were selling the empty bottles of the vaccine um, for COVID, uh, which is interesting. This is an empty bottle that's sold for $202. It's wild, right? Someone wanted, I, I get it. I get kind of a cool souvenir, a historic souvenir. There's people selling these um, with loops on them so you could hang them on your tree as like an ornament, um, which actually led to me seeing there's people selling uh, the bottles from lots of vaccines just as historic kind of souvenirs. It made me think, though, how often do we hold on to an empty bottle of a vaccine rather than looking to the actual vaccine. Could you imagine if you walked up to someone and said, hey, look at this. This is the bottle the vaccine was in. How cool is that, right? Let's put our, let's put our hope for not getting COVID in this empty bottle. That'd be silly, right? But I think our, the message, the packaging that should point us to the one who actually <laughs> protects us heals us, brings us life, is the thing sometimes we turn our attention to and our worship to and we become maybe even obsessed with 
rather than the one it's actually pointing us to that's greater, right? The vaccine in that bottle is what's actually going to help people, not the bottle. But I think the, the bottle, right, or the messengers that come, and I think that's what our author is trying to get us to think, remind us here of. These angels are great. They're incredible, but they aren't the end. They're pointing us to what is the end. And culturally, I think as we examine this, I think there could be lots of outside things that we see this in, but I think we are encouraged in our culture to see ourselves as that glorious thing. It tells us to look into our own lives and to ourselves, that you are the source of life, that you are the author of all things, that your spiritual life is really about you discovering yourself and you will satisfy your soul. Hear me, you are an incredible creation of God. You're beautifully made, you're knit together. You're formed into this amazing gifted image bearer of God. You might be good at loving people, protecting and caring people who are hurt. You fight for righteousness. You hate evil. You're selfless. You bring joy to others, but you're not Jesus. You may be tempted to see the glories of God's image bearers and end there, but do not end there because we hear today that even angels who are so glorious aren't even close to the surpassing greatness of Jesus. And so we get a great reminder today that even these great things, these good things, aren't as good as Jesus